Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast. I'm Metal Thrashing Mike, and today I have with me Mr. Carl Kennedy of the bands The Rods, his own project Kennedy, and his current band, The 450s. Now, The 450s currently have a new album out. Uh, I'm going to give Carl a little bit of time to talk about that and promote himself here. Carl, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure, sir. So uh give you a minute here to kind of talk about what's going on with the 450s. Well, the 450s, uh, you know, it's an album I'm really proud of. These are guys I've worked with, produced, managed, and uh, we all wanted to work in a band together. And I played drums on the St. James albums that uh, Jim and Bob from the 450s had recorded with me. And... Uh, was just never able to get them a deal. And finally, last year, we released uh, some of the product that we had done, some of the, one of the albums, and uh, great reviews. And so, and then the singer, Rhett, from Young Turk, and I had worked with them and managed them and gotten them a deal on both Virgin and Geffen Records. So, it was, it was finally the stars aligned, and we were able to get together and record an album in Miami. And uh, we did it live, and I'm really, it was such a great experience because now, these days, everything I do, for the most part, is remote. And this was a case of us sitting in the small room together in the studio and knocking it out. And uh, it's amazing to me, the, uh, the feel, and, and who would have thought that a group of musicians could get in the room and play together and have it sound cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a very <laughs> unique rock project, too. Um, well, it's just... Nobody does that anymore. It's very seldom that people are in the same place at the same time. No, so, I totally understand it was, that. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was fun. Um, yeah, um, I really enjoyed. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna again say there was a couple of songs in there I really enjoyed. Uh, Flowers for Columbine and Drown were in particular tracks that I you know highlight as saying were you know top for me. Um, right. Flowers for Columbine in particular. I think what caught me about it was there's a bit of an element there. It kind of reminds me of like some early Alice Cooper or something. And it's just in its structure and the way it, it sits. It's like, uh, kind of like under your wheels or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there, there's, um, there's no doubt there's an element of like seventies rock punk. Um, you know, there's Bowie. There are so many influences, you know, that, uh, that show through. I mean, Rhett, the singer was a huge, uh, Lou Reed fan, um, you know, so there's just a ton of things. I think that's what, with Jim and Bob came from more of a traditional Van Halen straight kind of rock thing. So when you put it all together, it's a, it was a unique sound. And I'm really proud of it. I don't know exactly where it fits, you know, in today's marketplace, but uh, I love the album. I think it's great. Well, you're in the right and, place for that. Cause I don't usually look at the marketplace. I look for unique and different music. <laughs> so 
that's nice. That's nice to hear, Mike. You know, the, uh, I think it's, it's just something that was, it was really organic and kind of happened so quickly. And, uh, I think there wasn't time to go back and think about anything, you know, it's like, okay, we got it. Let's move on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys did a great job. It's a wonderful sounding album. I mean, the production is stellar. So, well, I think, uh, We've all been working together for a long time, with friends, and uh, we had good good engineer, and of course, then we had a couple of good people mixing the album. So, well, you know, luckily you yourself have some experience with uh, production too. I mean, there's a uh, strangely enough, there was a list of production material because I got the looking, and I was like, oh, he's done some of my favorite stuff. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's, that's cool. Uh, I've got two of them on vinyl. Actually, I, I thought I'd go ahead and. Maybe get into that and ask you about that a little bit real quick. Sure, go ahead. So uh, I recently picked up a copy of Overkill's first album, Feel the Fire. Um, so what was it? What was it like working with them as young men? Was it a uh, was it a bit stressful, or were they completely professional even at that point? I think that you know I have to say that they were they were really professional. They were they. They were stressed like I was. They were under the gun the way I was. And uh, so there was a certain amount of tension just because we were trying to get an album done in a very short period of time and a very small budget. Right. But those they came in and, you know, they, they did a great job. Rat, you know, went out and partied one night. The next day he was struggling with his bass drums because he was kind of exhausted and you've got to be in good shape as a drummer. But we talked and he sorted it out and came in and then nailed everything. So no, there were no, they were very professional and very focused and they're great players. DD was always focused and Blitz is always, Blitz is a rock star, you know, from day one, he enters the room and he's just takes over. Oh yeah. He definitely has a personality for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, and his vocal style changed so much after that first album as well. It was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, let me ask you real quick too. I just kind of want to knock this stuff out so we can get to the real meat of the subject, which is your music. Um, you actually produced the second Possessed album. I did. That is uh, a bit mind-boggling when I listen to some of your music and stuff. Uh, I mean, it kind of it throws me off a little bit because I was like, wow, Possessed, they're like death metal legends. You know, they're, you know, it's kind of where that whole format started was with them and the band Death. So uh, what, what was it like working with them at just, you know, was there any, you know, cause I know they were super young. They were so young that we recorded the album at Kutati and outside of San Francisco on Easter break. That's how, that's how young they were. They were still in school. Wow. And we, Debbie Abono, rest her soul, great lady or their manager. Um, I stayed at her house and we, they had a room there and we did pre-production there after school. And uh, then we, on Easter break, we went to the studio and, recorded the album and it was you know quick i mean it's a good album too it's a it was a it was definitely an upgrade from as far as production wise from the first album for sure well they were they were a band that kind of they really played well together yeah and, uh, they, they kind of they could read up so they could music they could speed up a little slow down a little and they all did it at the same time they were right in sync with each other well timed and well practiced very well rehearsed. Yeah. So uh, there's 
surprisingly one more album and this album actually had a major impact on me but you actually didn't produce it but i've heard stories that you almost produced it mm. so uh then this was the album that got me into metal that's the reason i you know i'm here today to get the chance to do this interview too so let me ask you real quick because i heard you actually turned down the chance to do metallica's ride the lightning I did. They didn't ask, like the record company, they didn't want to make this sound like they asked me to produce the album. They asked me to go to Sweden, wherever they were recording it, and be basically the record company ears, be there in case something went wrong or something needed guidance. And sorry, they wanted me to uh, be there for them. And, you know, if they had been a, a young band, then I would have said, but there's, they were clearly on their path. They didn't need anything from anybody. And my presence would have been not just unwelcome, but unwarranted. There was nothing I was going to contribute to the band. Not that I might not have had suggestions, but they didn't need them. They would have just been me trying to insert some kind of an opinion or an arrangement idea that was, you know, six, one, half a dozen, the other. Why bother? So I felt that the band deserved to have that space. And so I told the record company that, and that the band was just fine on their own and they didn't need anyone there. So I turned it down foolishly, maybe, but uh, you know, it was the right decision I thought for the band. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I, I completely agree with you. And even, uh, I don't know exactly how old you were, but I, you were probably, a, you know, younger as it was, you know, early in the rods and stuff like that mm-hmm. to have the, yeah. that level of, foresight and um just that respect that level of respect for another band not to just do something like that just to make your name right you know that's and as a, that's as a producer well thank you for that i don't know that it was anything other than but it was respect for the band and i think that as a producer you, the more you produce the more you key into bands and what the what you need to do to help them get their vision as opposed to trying to do your vision um, you start to realize that you don't always have to, just because you may have a suggestion, it may not be a better suggestion than is already there on the table or that they might come up with. So sometimes, you know, it's a lead follow, get out of the way. You don't need to insert yourself and get out of the way and let it happen. And that was pretty much it. Oh, that's an important thing. Um, you know, just uh, leaving that level of space for someone, uh, you know, a, a band that you see that's already creative and, like you said, on their path. I mean, uh, seriously, though, you you earned my respect with that story. I mean, really. Well, well thank you. Um, and if you had, if I might not have never heard the album and we might not be here today. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, you I, know, might have, I might have totally blown it for them. Well, it, inadvertently, <laughs> you have had an effect on my life. And a lot of metalheads, because there's a lot of us out there that's our first album. So, um, mm. so something I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the 450s there. I'd really like to ask you about Kennedy, uh, because mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you here. I just started listening to you this week. Like, I just kind of, I got the opportunity and I was like, I'll give it a shot. Absolutely. And I just started listening to your your discography this week. Uh, I mean, I'd seen albums by the rods and multiple vinyl groups and such. And I'd, I always meant to listen to it, but, um, 
So I wanted to ask you about Kennedy first, because that was the project that has really, you know, kind of caught me and captured my imagination, you know, as a metalhead. Um, you know, uh, the, the two tracks off of there that really got me were uh, Warrior and The Prize. Mm-hmm. I, I, I fell in love with The Prize. I mean, it's such an emotional song. It's captivating. Um, it w- Did you have any uh, say in the lyrics for any of that or the riffs or... Well, we wrote the songs together, but they were basically brought in. Ideas were brought in, and then we all worked to flesh them out. But um, Mike and Tony, and I believe that was Mike who did those lyrics, uh, you know, wrote the lyrics. Okay, yeah, I mean, it, it really caught my imagination. So, uh, you know, next time you talk to him, thank him for that. Because it, I will I will definitely do that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a very emotional song for anyone that's ever tried to get into music or tried to do something like that. You know, it's very much an anthem there. And, you know, Warrior itself, the, the title track was just, you know, heavy, straightforward, you know. Um, and, and now we have three songs that we have given to our manager, Giles Lavery, who is uh, about to start shopping. Nice. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully we get a deal that's a decent deal. It's very hard to do these days, but hopefully we'll get a decent deal and uh, we'll have another a second Kennedy album. Well, I enjoyed the first one so much that I actually, even after listening to it on Spotify, I was like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and find this online. I've actually got it on the way on vinyl to the house, so. Oh, thank you very much for the support. That's nice. Uh, that's a big thing on this, uh, you know, we the, the podcast, I try to support some of the bands that come on here as much as I can. Um, but you know, I promote everyone out there to buy merch. That's the best way to support bands guys. I'm sure Carl will agree with that. I totally agree with that. And it's, you know, unless you're out there playing and that uh, you're selling merch, it's, it's tough. You know, fans, if fans don't uh, support by buying the music, then and I've had, I've had friends say, Oh man, I, I listen to your stuff on Spotify. I love it. I listen on Spotify all the time. I hope you're making money. Like, you know, I don't have the heart to say, yeah, point zero zero two cents every time you listen, because I'm just happy that they're listening. But you know, to support a band for a band to survive, you need people to fans to buy merchandise, and you know, it's tough for everybody these days. Well, um, let me kind of go ahead and ask you too, because this was something that. Uh... It's something that weighs on my heart a lot as, uh, as you know, this kind of the subject of this podcast. Because I get so many smaller, you know, newer bands, and that's really the bread and butter of this. So anytime I have a legend like yourself, somebody that has the experience and has been in this industry for 40 plus years, uh, what advice can you give to new bands as far as promoting themselves, um, you know, merchandising anything that you can share with us to help these people? Well, I think the first thing starts with the music. You have to believe in what you're doing and you have to do it the way you believe the vision should be shared. So I think that's the first thing. As far as promotion goes, you have to find every opportunity. You have to try to get people to, you know, try to energize your fan base to help share and support. Um, you need to do have content and you got to know the fine line between, you know, basically spamming your fans and, you know, sending them new content that content that energizes them. So it's really, it's a fine line. It's very difficult to rise above the noise, especially when you don't have a budget, but you just have to find ways. A few dollars on Facebook sometimes works. 
um, you know, whatever you can do, get something out and just do everything. And it's time consuming, but nonetheless, it's, that's the gig, you know, if you're going to promote and, uh, you know, be aware of the fans, you know, if they support you, you know, make sure you're giving them a decent product. That's what, but I think it comes back to, you got to make the best product possible. And rather than just rush things out because this day and age, if you don't have a label, it's a self-imposed deadline. So there's really no reason to say, Oh, you've got to get something out. You know, you need to get something out. That's great. Not just something in the marketplace. Right. Because the best, best option to catch fire is something that's an, you know, amazing job, amazing songwriting and performance and recording that you've done. So that's your best option. So the best thing to do is don't dumb it down and take your time and get it right until you're happy. You know? Right. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I actually have friends that have stuff that just leave it sitting and won't. It's not time for that yet. It's not time for that yet. You know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm glad you can kind of back things like that up. You know, that's, that's really great advice for everyone. Uh, that's probably going to be the snippet from this episode, everybody. <laughs> when I do a little mm-hmm. advert, that's going to be the snippet because uh, that's great advice. So let me kind of ask um, as a drummer, you know, you're, you're, um, you, I don't see you doing a lot of over-the-top, like over-the-top technical stuff, but you do definitely keep things steady, well-paced. I mean, the music drives. You know, you've got a lot of energy behind your playing for sure. So uh, as a drummer, what's what kind of advice can you give to young drummers out there? Well, I think the first thing is if you can't, if you can't play solid beat, and, and that's, you know, play with a click track. If you can't, Play to a click track and make sure that you've got a solid groove that, you know, whatever is happening, the pulse of what you're playing is there without rushing, dragging. That's the key piece. After that, add your pieces in and make sure that they don't rush. And that's that's tough. It's tough to not have your fills rush. But once you work with a click track for a while, you, you learn to play ahead of it, behind it, and on it. And, uh, and that frees you up. And, so that's the biggest piece. And then add your, your complex patterns over that. But if you don't have that foundation, it just turns to crap and you're probably not going to work very long. Right. Well, once again, great advice. Um, so uh, kind of going back to, let's see, some of your production work. Um, you know, I, I, I'm so thrilled to have someone here with your experience. You know, I've had Tommy Stewart from Hallow's Eve here before and his his level of experience throughout the years. You know, anytime mm-hmm. I have nice. anytime I have the you know, the chance to sit under a learning tree, I, I take the opportunity. Um so from your production work, what's some advice you can give to uh young producers and such out there? who are, you know, looking to get into the business as far as getting yourself out there? Well, you know, again, that's a tough one because being a producer, especially these days, you know, you, you really have to be in the right place at the right time. You need to probably, the smartest thing is to learn everything you can at home and uh, try everything, you know, learn your compressions, learn everything you can and your mics and, you know, so on, how to mic- take a, a snare drum, mic it top and bottom, move it around, listen to the different things that happen as you move it and so on, mic the side of it and just learn. And, and the other thing is that uh, you're, 
probably good to just become basically a gopher at a major studio because that will probably lead you to more work than try to uh, do it on your own. And the other is look for up and coming bands and produce them because they may, you know, get signed. And the other thing is finding genres that are mainstream, that stuff and try to break in with, with young bands, but people don't have budgets like they used to. Now everybody can record at home. Essentially everybody is a producer. So getting a gig as a producer or sustaining it is really difficult. Even the top people, um, you know, unless you're a good songwriter, which of course if you are, you do play an instrument and you have good theory behind you and you're a good songwriter. Well, that's invaluable. But again, a lot of that, depending on the genre, they've, they're coming in, you know, songs fully written, or they're going to start with, you know, a beat and they're going to build it. And in which case, hopefully you can be really influential and helpful to them. So, but I think, I think getting into production is almost something that uh, you want. There are a number of ways to do it, but I would say in this day and age with no, so few major studios, I would say the best way is to get to work with good people is find the best studio you can and just just be the gopher, you know, mop the floors and listen and learn and try to get in there when there's downtime and play with the gear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier than buying a lot of the gear I've already bought myself. I can say that. <laughs> uh, it's incredible. And, you know, it's it's like that commercial I saw years ago, which was somebody with a convertible with a big box and it said, you know, he's putting his arm around the new XP1, and he looks at the, he's at a stop sign. He looks up on the billboard, get the new XP2, and he just brought it from the store, and now there's the XP2 is out, and he just bought the XP1. That's how it is with gear. Yeah. You know, you buy a piece of gear, and you install it, and you go, oh, there's an upgrade. <laughs> no, that's a serious problem with plugins and stuff, too, I've noticed. It is. Plugins always. One thing is the plugins. They're coming down. You know, you're seeing a lower price point on a lot of the plugins, so that's cool. Yeah, Waves has been cutting down prices on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and a lot of the things like I know the the if you buy the Beatles collection or not the Beatles but the Abbey Road collection, Abbey Road, yeah, yeah, they will instantly give you whatever comes out as it comes out for free as part of that if you buy the collection. Mm-hmm. So you know, stuff like that's great for <laughs> anybody on a budget. Yeah, and also there are a lot of there are a lot of plugins that are $50, $59, and, you know, they're affordable. They're within reach. The only problem is after you buy 100 of them, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah, no, $50 for 100 of them, you know, you're looking at $5,000. <laughs> exactly right, and it's easy to go, I need that one. Oh, I need that one. Oh, no, I know. It's it's terrible. I've had to, my wife's about killed me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially with gear and all that, buying stuff. Yeah, that bit of a selfish question there because I kind of wanted some advice. <laughs> hmm. um, I don't know if I helped, but no, absolutely. Um, I, I think I found for me that just looking towards uh, Staples has been the not the office supply store, but just Staples within uh, you know recording history has been a good thing to go with. Uh, pretty much anything, sure. That's smart. That's really smart. And the other thing I advice I give people is. You don't need to know the ins and outs of every program, every plugin. You need to know really 
basically how to use that, the main features of that, move on to the next piece. You cannot learn everything about everything. It just doesn't work. So you need to learn basics of one thing and go on to the next. So that way you have a broad overview. And when you're working with a client, they ask for something, you can pretty much provide it. And if you need to go deeper, they'll understand why you take some time to delve into that, that program. Well, I hope I'm asking some interesting questions for you today and maybe throwing a few that you haven't been asked as much before on podcast and stuff. No, I love it. Okay. It's great. <laughs> as long as I'm doing my job and doing it right. So absolutely. Uh, another inner, uh, you know, just something of interest, interest to me that I like to ask because, um, I, I think it helps personalize the guest a little more. Uh, it, it get, you know, kind of lets me talk to him about something hopefully too. Um, I'd like to ask you about, you know, what, what kind of hobbies do you have outside of music? I have, I sell real estate, so I'm a realtor. And uh, my daughter puts it pretty succinctly. She said, my life is drums and real estate. Yeah. So there you have it. You know, my hobby is my music, you know, and, and uh, playing, writing, and, you know, playing live gigs when I can and recording. And uh, I'm, like right now, I just finished three songs for Kennedy, but I have a whole Rods album now waiting for me. And I'm just, I'm reheading and remiking my drums. And once I'm done, I'm going to just blow through the entire Rods album to get that out. I have a band, uh, an album that's done from my band Kalakis from the 70s, mid-70s. First band I was ever in, first band I ever recorded an album with. And uh, we are done with uh, that album with the exception of one drum track that I'll knock out as soon as I get my drums back up. And uh, I even sing a song on that album, which took him six months of badgering me to uh, sing a song before I tried it and uh, sent it over. All right. I look forward to hearing that, actually. I don't know about that. I'd lower your expectations, Mike, but yeah, you'll <laughs> be able to hear it. I always lower my expectations. <laughs> I'm a pessimist. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. That's the best way Avoid disappointment. Right. So um, I was watching some interviews. Uh, you're from Pennsylvania. I, did you move to or from Scranton? I moved here. Okay, you uh, moved to so Scranton. I did. I was an upstate guy, you know, Elmira, Ithaca, Cortland, New York, where the rods are. So based uh, out of. speaking of Scranton, I'm a huge fan of the show The Office. Does anything mm-hmm. ever come up about that in Scranton much? Uh, when the show was on, it was hot. People, tourists would come here. You know, they would. Yeah. They would definitely, uh, you know, show up, and you know, there would be different conventions that would happen here. You know, but um, I, um, you know, I was never. Re- I mean, I loved The Office. I thought Steve Carell was hysterical, and all the characters were great. But, but um, I never really got caught up in it much. And I don't actually live in Scranton per se, so, um, you know, but. I don't think it was a huge, huge thing, but some of the bars capitalized on it, you know, the college students. Right. Yeah, I just had to ask because I knew you were up in Scranton. So, mm-hmm. or, well, as you said, close to or outside of. So, um, one more question here about the 450s because that's, you know, something I have to focus in a little more here on. Uh, I don't feel like I gave it enough time because I know that's your current project. So, is there... What can we expect from the 450s coming up in the future? I mean, are you guys going to be playing some more shows, or are we we looking at another album in a few years? Uh, Well, we're talking about, and, you know, it's been discussed about 
late summer getting together and writing for the new album. So that's, you know, that's a possibility and that's something I'd love to do. It was such a, it was really such an effortless, um, fun project to do that um, repeating that would be, would be great. Right. No, I mean, like I said, it was a very unique rock and roll, you know, project. You uh, obviously had a lot of influences on that. And uh, I, I thought it was actually a great album, um, even though, the, like I said, the Kennedy really caught me and pulled me in. Totally different animal, isn't it? Yeah. Now, every mm-hmm. one of your projects is a totally different animal. I mean, the Rods is very, you know, like, obviously it's very classic, you know. Mm-hmm. Anthemic and... You know, and yeah. when I, anytime I look up the rods, like on Spotify and stuff, when it says like related or similar artists and stuff, it'd bring up like bands that I loved, like Tigers of Pantang and stuff like that, because it, it's almost uh, like that new wave of British heavy metal sound, except it comes from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I came well, actually upstate New York, but uh, we did mix the live, yeah, we did mix the live album here in Pennsylvania, right at the, at the, um, that's this right. little place in Crystal Lake. Camp Crystal Lake? <laughs> yeah, Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, we tried to shut it down before dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, one more question about the rods before I uh, cut this thing off. So um, are you still too hot to trot and too hot to stop? <laughs> I can't even answer that, Mike. But <laughs> the, the rods have a, a new album. Shockwave. That's uh, like I said, it's almost done. I just have to put my tracks to it, and um, and we have songs like looks like we may have actually have yet another album after this. So, but we definitely have Shockwave coming, and uh, I think the Rods fans will love it. And so the Rods are alive and well. Well, I uh, I appreciate all your work uh, in music. Uh, just hearing some of these stories, um, getting to know your music. Like I said, this week, I just got to start listening to you, really. And uh, I, I, I pre- hope to hear more. I really well, do. I appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to you know, do your homework and delve into it. That takes time, and you know, I respect that, so thank you. Well, when the homework's enjoyable. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, everybody, everybody's busy, and so it's, you know, it's a little encroachment on everybody's time. So I, I rec- recognize that and appreciate it. Well, I mean, I appreciate your time, too. It means a lot to me anytime anyone takes the time to do the podcast. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for the promotion because that's that's what we need to get the word out. So thank you. Well, that's another thing about the podcast is it's here for promotion, smaller bands, bands that are, you know, getting started. Uh, maybe sometimes they're lesser known bands or they have a history. That's what it's here for. And I highly promote anyone that's been on the podcast, you know, especially some of the smaller artists, Hey, go out, share, share the other artist episodes. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. kind of network this thing. And, uh, well, I'm going to have to cut this thing off. I know you've got an estate sale to get to. <laughs> uh-huh. That's right. You got to keep your wife happy and I got to go keep my wife happy. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Well, good. Good deal. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And, uh, everybody, please be sure and follow me on Facebook at metal thrashing nerds podcast. I am also a part of the Rat Salad Reviews Network now, so you can follow them for more information about me. You can find me on Instagram at the Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at Mike Thrashing. And uh, I will always email you back, 
and I love interacting with people. So come on in and engage. You guys have a great day. Peace.